Down so we can do this. <laughs> Three, two, honey, honey, honey. honey. <laughs> oh my goodness. Welcome to episode one of the Miles Key Show, baby. Woo! Woo! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know that's right. No, honey. I am I'm so excited to be doing this. I've been having this on my mind for a long time. This series is going to be a banger, honey. Buckle up. Because we are not playing with the girls. Not now. Not now. And really, because we are excited to get into these conversations and these topics and really discuss the things that need to be discussed and that are on our mind, honey. So without further ado, to my right, who I have is the one and only. Jalen Bryant. Hey, 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 y'all. What's up? I am so excited to be here. Uh, you're going to hear Miles call me Giselle a lot, and that's just my little nickname that I've gotten. It's honey, okay. I call him Giselle because of Housewives. You girls know that. But, <laughs> but, honey, you know, it was important for me to have you on here as my first guest. Um, not just because we're best friends, but because specifically I think that we both keep it real in a way that gives room for authentic conversations mm -hmm. that provoke change. Absolutely. That is what this show is for. That is what this platform is for. Um, and I couldn't have thought of anyone else to sit in this seat first besides you. And I'm honored to be the first one to sit in this bitch. Yes, yes. Okay. I am very honored. And I just want to say I'm very proud uh, for you creating this forum. And I think it's very important for us to have a forum where we can speak our voices unapologetically. Yeah. So, And you talk about being unapologetic. You know, that's the reason for the logo. You know what I'm saying? I, You know, I did test the logo out as any good business person would do. Um, and, you know, some people felt like it was a little militant or that it was a little, you know, I don't know, aggressive. Ooh, that's a word we're going to come back to. But, you know, I, I think that ultimately that fist is nothing more than a sign of unity. It's never been anything more than a sign of unity. It's never meant violence. It's never meant hatred. It's never been used to degrade anyone. Ever. And, and if, so, go ahead, honey. And if violence has ensued after using it, it's because it was provoked from the white man, which we will get into. Um, and, and you know, and that's no shade. That's just that's the truth. I mean, that's that, that is that those are the facts, you know. And so, I don't want anyone to think that just because our logo is a fist that we're not welcome, that we're not a welcoming platform. That's not the case. Absolutely. You might not like our content if you're not interested in unity for people of color, in equity for people of color. You know what I'm saying? But that is what this channel is pushing for. And it's not coming from a place of anything besides a desire for equality. And that equality runs in a lot of different veins, honey. A lot. A lot, honey. And, and really, the vein that we're going to talk about specifically on this platform is anti-blackness. Um, and I guess, Giselle, first and foremost, I just want you to define 
what you think anti-blackness is for us. To me, anti-blackness, hmm, give me one second. I feel like anti-blackness is like the sense of, there's, well, let me just say this. There's a difference, like I said, difference between racism and anti-blackness. Yes, there is. Racism is more so seen now as outward, verbal, and uh, 10 times more aggressive. Outlandish, all of those things. And I feel like anti-blackness is very, like you said, passive. And if it's passive, that does not mean that it goes unseen. Just because you didn't say it doesn't mean I didn't feel it. Very much that. Very much that. And I think, too, like, I like to refer to anti-blackness again because racism, and and this has been, I would say, the majority of um, not anything purposeful that white people have done, but I think the way that they tend to perceive our struggles um, has put us in a position to where racism is now viewed as this thing that's so far out from who we actually are and the things that we do. But racism can happen in so many different forms. And again, I love being able to utilize the term, the term, the tool anti-blackness because it allows for us to give a more clear depiction of the things that are done to us. Absolutely. I feel like anti-blackness is something that has been systematically taught. Yes. It is those small things. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the gray area type of stuff. Yes, very much that. And I feel like it's stuff that a lot of people aren't even aware that they do. Yes. But I feel it because I'm the one you're being anti-black against. Mm-hmm. And I want to clarify something because when we say that you're not aware of something, that doesn't mean that you get a pass. And I, I really mm. have come to dislike that saying because, A, language is important in this type of conversation you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. but I also think specifically that saying things like oh this person was unaware implies that there should be some there should be a change in our perception of their actions because of their lack of knowledge and let's be clear a lot of times in this day and age lack of knowledge is a choice ignorance That is what that word means, you know? And it's just like, we we tend to throw that out there as a way to, like, put out the fire a little bit. But really, it only comes across as a way to stop change and make an excuse. Very much that. And that that was not me trying to say that that was an excuse for... No, no, no. I didn't think that. But Uh I wanted to yes and what you said. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because it's important. And so, really... I, I, I'm curious, do you think, because again, since we're talking about these day-to-day things, these things that are small things, but that are very impactful, and these things that are strategic in how small they are, and comparing that to the size of their impact, okay? When we talk about these little things, that these passive-aggressive things that white people tend to do and employ against us, do you feel like those things show up more in the workplace and professionally, or do you feel like it's more of a social thing? I feel like I've experienced it in both, but if we're talking about where it's more prominent, I feel as though it's way more prominent in the workplace. Yeah. Professionally, whether regardless of what field it is, I feel like anti-blackness is something that has been rooted in corporate America. And corporate America goes through many different fields, whether it be art, whether it be hair, whether it be uh, uh, food service, whether it be anything of that nature. There's lots of different fields where it feels as though it's hard to work there and be authentic to yourself and do your job to the best of your ability when you're being prejudged based on the color of your skin or what you're wearing or your hair texture. Mm. And really what I'm curious about, A, is why? 
we're being judged, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But B, what is the difference, would you say, between how anti-blackness and how those small passive aggressive things show up socially versus professionally, would you say? Um, where are we going to count classroom settings? Is that going to count in... Um, I would say that's social. like a professional environment, okay. you know, like it's an educational environment, but there is a, a, a code and a behavioral conduct, I think, that implies some sort of professionalism. So I'm going to speak from personal experience, if I can. Okay. So socially, say we're at a party where it's lots of uh, Taylor Swift going on, blah, 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 and whatever the case may be, but the second a rap song comes on, it feels like the energy in the room shifts and everyone is uncomfortable, except for the five or seven now mm-hmm. black people that... <laughs> black people that are in the room and having a good time and then it feels like we're being looked at from the outside in but when the tailor is on we find a way i feel like what's so beautiful about us and what i love about us we can find a way to enjoy and have a good time with anything yes okay yes black joy is a beautiful thing that is policed because of its beauty um and you know i think that professionalism again has become a policing tool you know what I'm saying? And so I think it's t- it, it, what professionalism does and why it works so well is because it takes all of the anti-blackness that happens socially and it puts it under the umbrella of professionalism and it doesn't allow them. Now they're not at fault. Because it's in a contract. Because it's in a contract. Because it's there, there's a behavioral code. Because it's this unspoken thing that's supposed to be inherent, even though it's inherently worked against you. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to have that conversation. So let's let's break it down step by step. What is professionalism? What is it, Giselle? I don't know. Ah, wait, <laughs> wait. Why would he do that? <laughs> I don't know. And you know why I don't know? It's because as of recent, after educating myself, and, and I'm still that educating yourself is a continuous process, a continuous honey, thing. and learning new things. And I, like I've never worked a cubicle job, but after looking and hearing different stories, like it's, it's things, the small things that you hear about that you're like, wow, this is really happening, mm-hmm. and you start to learn. I'm just like, so what? And you you can't help as a black man yeah. but to question. Why are we putting this on a pedestal when it makes us feel so wrong? Well, and, and so, and I think the clarity and the definition of the word is what is going to help us take it off of that pedestal. Um, because first of all, I think doing things, having a profession is doing a job where you get paid money. Working professionally is doing a job where you get paid money. Professionalism refers to the behavior and the attitude and the energy and all of the things that go into how you approach doing your professional job. Now, to me, in theory, the only reason that you should have to alter your behavior to filter into professionalism is if it impacts the way that you do the job. But what white people have figured out how to do Mm. and what the powers that be have figured out right how to do is simply say that, you know what, this isn't about the job. This has nothing to do with your performance. But because of our image, because of our vanity, because of our desire for conformity, because of our, because of our anti-blackness, mm. 
we want you to behave like X and cut out this part of yourself so that you fit our mold. Mm-hmm. Don't put your hair in box braids. Don't have a slight hint of color. Don't, don't, don't talk like this. Don't use A-A-V-E. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? It, again, it's those small things that you feel. And again, even if it's unsaid, if there is a behavioral contract, con conduct or contract that has gone unsaid and has just set, has been set as the tone, that still is just as problematic. Very much so. And it's so hard to undo such a system. Yes, it is. When in order for economics is a whole different conversation that we can get into. But in order for us to make the money, in order to even feel like we're at the same power level, we have to sign that contract in order to get that check, in order to build that and then possibly put those checks into building our own economic wealth. And it, it's a it's a repeating cycle of us feeling as if we have to play by their rules in order to try to create our own but in order to do that, we still have to sign the contract, and I'm tired of having to do that. And what professionalism says is not only do you have to sign the contract, but when we give you other stuff that was not in your contract, you must adhere to these things. Otherwise, you will be unprofessional and therefore unfit to do your job. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That, it, it, it's that train of thought. And it's our inability even if we have, because again, a lot of people are in a position to where the things that white people do, they are so slick about that, like, it doesn't give us any room to actually catch it or articulate it or identify it. And that's why I think coining terms and language is so important here in this conversation. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I think that, like, being able to say, this is what you're doing to me is a powerful thing for these type of issues Absolutely. because what professionalism says is that you are not allowed to do those things. You're not allowed to say anything. You're just supposed to do it. Mm. You're not allowed to say that you don't think it's fair for you not to, to, to have to be required to not be, to be yourself. You can't say that. And you're not allowed to have an opinion about it either. Right. If you have an opinion, you keep, keep it, it to, to yourself. yourself. But again... And, and what makes it even more confusing, I think, specifically for our generation is because the generation before us, our parents and grandparents and stuff like that, they understand that that is the system and that that is what professionalism does and how it works. And so we're taught by people who look like us yes. to adhere, to comply. You know what I'm saying? But again, that is a slavery mentality. It's the same thing that slaves were taught. And it, and I want to also say that slaves were, the compliance of all slaves was built on the system of fear. Same thing that this is. A lot of black, if we want to get into this conversation, a lot of black parents raise their children on that same mentality. You're going to fear me before you respect me. That's why I'm going to put this belt to your ass like my master did my damn great granddaddy. If we're going to talk about it, let's, let's talk, talk about, about it. it. And I think, and I understand and I, and, I, and I have to say this, I can understand where certain things come from because of that fear. And that fear came from, it, it, it trickles down. We have to talk about the why. Like, for instance, when my mom used to never, ever let me go into a store with my hood on, mm -hmm. my mom would never let me uh, 
ever have my hands in my pockets in the store or mm-hmm. anything like that. And I'm just like, why? I'm just being myself. If I want to put my hood over my head, why can't I? Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand that she was scared for my life, to, for me to be labeled as a thief or a thug and for the cops to be called on me and then for her son to be on the news like so many other countless black have had to go through. Yeah. So I respect her in that regard for trying to protect me, but she shouldn't have to. She shouldn't have to. And I think that's the same thing with the professionalism thing. We should not have to be taught that in order for our livelihood not to be threatened, for our job, for our money, for our income not to be threatened, for our professionalism to still be intact, you must be silent. You must comply. We should not have to teach our children that. We shouldn't. And I get it. That's the reality that we live in. But we don't do any good by complying. All that that does is allow them to do the same thing. And again, that's why the system works so well for them. Because they have it. There's no flaws in that. It's mapped out. It's, It's mapped out. It's mapped out down. And also, like, when we talk about you being labeled as a thug or a hood rat or whatever and all of those things. You know what? But let's get specific with it. Let's label the things that they do. Let's mm. talk about what are the small little things that they do and what's, let's talk about and identify those things so that we know how to address them, call them out, and stop them. The very passive aggressiveness, all the passive aggressiveness that I witness from white people or I experience from white people is so... Like, I, I, literally, I have a, a system where I count... <laughs> okay, I have a system where I count when I feel like I've been microaggressed or when I just feel like I'm getting passive aggressive energy from a white person based on And this is a tally that you keep. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh no, 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 no. This isn't a tally. This is a system that I have in which when I'm a little upset, I have to go mm, one, two, three. Oh, okay. Three. So this is like a boosa. Uh-huh. Okay. A little bit of a whew. Okay. You know, and I feel like I have to do that in order to not be labeled and not give them that ammo. But I, once again, we should not have to when you know what you were doing by that eye roll, mm-hmm. by that lip smack. So let's, that you that's another I didn't thing. Say. That's another thing. Okay. So the innocence card. That's another one. Boom. Oh, they'll victimize. And then the white tears. Boom. (laughs) Boom. The innocence. And then I think, too, like, a lot of times people know just what to say and just how much to say. What goes unsaid is a lot a lot of the times. And I think, too, people have this way of trying to tell you how they feel without telling you how they feel. Like, I I don't know if there's a specific term for that type of behavior, but what that does is confuse the recipient because that's not how you normally talk. That's not how you normally communicate. And so when somebody's coming up to you being passive aggressive or like tiptoeing around an issue, you don't know what the hell is wrong with them. Mm -hmm. Or they're trying to bait you. Right. They, oh, the baiting, honey. The baiting of it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'll try to bait you into trying to... How do I put this? They will try to bait you into basically you getting upset and angry and then, yeah. then being able to use that against you. Yeah. And then playing victim. Even though what they said was some up and you tried to have an adult conversation about it and then they tried to play stupid as if they didn't understand what this is. Okay, so I'm just I'm I'm speaking from personal experience. I'm not over it. Ho. Uh, <laughs> let's just talk about it. Um, talking of, and, and I can curse. Just look, like, you a couple can. more times. You just a little bit. Okay. <laughs> and, and playing the stupid game of 
ring around the rosy as if, oh, I didn't say that and I promise that's not what I meant. Then why did you say it in a condescending way? Why was your tone like that? Because you never used that tone with X, Y, and Z. But when it came to this piece right here, this beautiful chocolate man right here, you decided to be condescending. For why? I think authenticity is not a factor for these people. Like, it's not a, a thing that they consider. It's not a thing that they, they don't feel any type of way about lying to your face about something. Mm. And again, I, you know, I think another tool that's weaponized a lot professionally and socially is that black people are to assume good intent. And that ties back to we were having a conversation about people being like, oh, just because I'm not aware of this means that I shouldn't be you know, that you should change your perception of my action, actions. You know what I'm saying? That you should lessen your feelings or give grace in certain areas where you wouldn't typically. And, you know, that whole thing, all of that stuff. And even then, I feel as though they give that, that bull crap old excuse because they feel as though they know what we can do. Right. Okay? When I'm addressing you, simply addressing what you did... That's not me coming at you angrily. Is that a... I'm, you know, I'm not... I'm not angry. I'm not angry. I'm just trying to make sure... I'm correcting. There's a difference. I'm being direct. I'm being, like, upfront. Like, I, I'm being clear. Like, yes. And again... If it upset me, it upset me, and I'm going to let you know that it upset me because it's rooted in racism and anti-blackness. I mean, and also, I don't think... Again, stop policing our emotions. Stop. And, and, and it's all of our emotions. It's not mm -hmm. just anger. It's joy. Black people being excited about something, oh, they don't have any class. They're not professional. Mm. Mm -mm. And I want to ask you, why is it that you think that professionalism literally has become... I mean, I think almost the, literally the definition of professionalism is whiteness. I couldn't agree more. And if that's the case... If being white is the definition and the standard for professionalism, professionalism is anti-black. Let that sink in a little bit. And I, again, I don't think people see another. And again, it's because those things go unspoken. They are things in the room that you just are supposed to know and do and assume. And it's because that's what we program into our children. And I think what also, there's another factor in there that we have to talk about. The people who do stand up and speak out and how the system also, when, when these white people and sometimes even black people or other people of color make you feel crazy because they have let that program programming wash them into believing that that's the only right way. I mean, or the only way. Let's talk about the gaslighting of it all. The, the gaslighting of it all. That's another one. And then one. it becomes tiresome on the people who decide to speak out, and then they have to wipe their hands. They get too tired about it. And let's talk about the psychological effect that gaslighting has on black people, specifically in terms of race mm. and being gaslit about things related to race or equity, period. What that does is make you question, hmm, maybe my emotional scale is off. Maybe there's something wrong with me. And so you tear yourself apart and you twist yourself into all these knots trying to lessen your feelings that are valid. 
And then you also start to question whether or not you should be speaking out, which is what they want you to do. And I do think in this conversation that there are white people who don't intend to try to silence you. Mm. But at the end of the day, if those are the actions that you do, that's what it works to do. And that's the effect that it has on us. And you can't shy away from that. You don't get an excuse or a pass from that. That's not okay. Oh, child. It's, it's, it's really unfortunate. And I, every time I have this conversation or anything related to this conversation, I try my hardest not to get worked up about it. It's hard. But it's hard to discuss how countless numbers and generations of black people have been put through physical, mental, and psychological warfare, basically. It, it, it's absolutely preposterous, in my opinion. And I... Take a minute, honey. Don't get upset. I know this bitch was gonna cry. I'm okay. I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm a thug. <laughs> <laughs> and I can say that because I'm black. Uh, <laughs> but can we get Zella tissue, please? It's okay. Um, I feel as though I, as of recently, like I said, I've been recently doing all the the research and stuff on it. And it, it when it goes, thank you so much. Um, girl, I feel like Candace. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you gotta do the right, join uh, the triangle. The triangle. <laughs> 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 Not a single tear. <laughs> um, but I feel as though when I look deep into this, and I'm like, damn, like this system that they have is so tight. And if not, if everyone doesn't stand up and make a stand, there's no way to change it. And it's almost yes, it's absolutely true. impossible for everyone to stand up and make a stand. Well, Giselle, again. I, I want to talk about the why behind it. Why are we put in that position to have to take a stance? Why are we put in a position to have to speak out, to have to defend ourselves? Why are we even given the cards that we're dealt? Mm. And I think, honey, answer my own question here. I think that it's because, again, we were brought here to make this country spin. Economically, we were brought here to make things work for them. Very much so. And so with that being said, everything they've traded, every dollar they've made over the course of those 400 years that we were all enslaved was built on our backs. It was built on our backs. We did every single piece of manual labor and not we received no benefits. And then they made a system to where I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. The rubs is going, that's what's going to get me to, okay. Well, what am I to do? (laughs) (laughs) And then to make a system where we're told we're crazy and to just forget about all that shit and now you're equal. That's what I was getting to because what happens is they can't do the same stuff that they were doing 400 years ago. They can't do the stuff that they were doing 100 years ago. And so the new tactic is to gaslight, is to make you think you're crazy, is to trick you mentally into not only conforming, but teaching others to conform into what works for them. 
because they understand that their wealth would crumble, not only without us 400 years ago, without a class that consumes what you make and without a class to sit under you. They don't have anything. Their entire system crumbles. They know that. Mm. They know that. Giselle, I saw something the other day. This guy, he, he laid it out so well. He was saying how we are headed to a second-class slavery. That is what we're headed towards because guess what? Mm-hmm. We're working yeah. in a system where the rich people stay rich by pretending that they're poor, and the poor people stay poor by pretending to be rich and consuming things <laughs> from the poor, from the rich, excuse me. Mm-hmm. What, 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 where else would that head? Because it is the type of thing that is an exponential system. It is going to build. So, yeah, that is where we're headed if we don't get ready to have the conversations that we need to have and to unpack the things that we need to unpack. Mm -mm. And that's what I got this show for. Absolutely. And I love that things are starting to come more to the forefront, especially because, you know, we talk through the lens mostly of where our profession is and artistry and Mm, entertainment and entertainment and i feel as though there's a lot that has been there's a lot i've been going through rabbit holes of just like listening to people talk about like the things that they've been through Mm -hmm. and uh and how you're basically playing for, for for pennies you're playing for pennies. You're doing the exact same work that every other white worker is doing, but you're getting 30% of what they're getting paid. Yet you and they get... don't want you to know that or talk about it. Mm. But you know, someone did talk about it recently. Oh, Miss uh, Taraji P. Henson. I mean, there's been a lot of... Monique said the same thing. You know, uh, Giselle, it, it's not even something that there's... There's no elaborate conversation to be had about it because it's clear as day. It's clear as day. For a movie that looked that good, mm. you couldn't pay those people. I'm not buying it. None of us are buying it. But, you know, again, that, that, that goes back to you have to have people that are willing to get the pennies so that you can make the dollars. Mm. And they understand that. And they are going to continue to come up with whatever they can to keep us in that position. And so my question is, knowing that professionalism is used as a tool to further some of the things that we're talking about, to put us at a further disadvantage, okay, what are we to do with that ultimatum? Because now we're in a position of not being able to speak out against it because that breaks professionalism. But we also don't gain anything from professionalism. So what are we to do? I will say, and here we go. Yeah. I will say that when it comes to that notion of professionalism, I honestly think, and you've said this multiple times in numerous conversations that we had, and, I've, I, and I, I don't think I've told you, but I really think about it like, bitch, I'll make my own platform. And I think one good thing about... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you better ask somebody. And we asked. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that the one good thing that's coming out of this new day and age is, and good and bad, because this shit can't be scary, but with AI, algorithms 
you know, <laughs> you know, I'm going to all AI thing. Uh huh. With AI algorithms, allow different markets to be reached without filtering directly through the white man, unless they got a secret hold on that <laughs> that we don't know about, which I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but it, it lets you. It lets certain content reach different audiences, and I feel like that's. Yeah. And that's how you can create numbers by spreading that awareness. What you're talking about is accessibility. And I do think that our generation is the most accessible that we've had in a long time. Like the way that we are using social media to spread information is powerful, is useful. Absolutely. And I think that it's great that we do have a generation that is fearless. Our generation has so much potential, but we have to use it the right way. And it's identifying those terms it's labeling the things that they do it's speaking on them in a way that doesn't let them put you in a position of being able to say oh you're breaking professionalism code but that turns the mirror back on them where it should be Mm. that is what we need and that is what I want to continue to have conversations about and I would love to have them okay <laughs> okay let's do it and I would so, love to have conversations about them and I would love to put some shit to action cause I'm like I said to you way back when I'm making my transition from a Martin to a Malcolm I used to be so nice and palatable mm-hmm. for these white people because I thought that was the game that I had to play in order to get where I wanted to go but honestly learning about where I'm trying to get to and it's still very fucked up fricked up and learning about the different complexities that still arise when you make it past a certain quota I don't want to play that game I don't want to play that game I think we should knock that board over and let's build one from scratch let's change the game let's change the game and that's why I mean people don't understand this lawmaking and policy is where it's at Mm. It is where it's at because you are doing the work that will actually impact people. And on top of that, I think that, like, we are in the midst of a culture shift, Mm -hmm. which is a beautiful thing. But if we don't seize this moment, we're going to be set back exponentially. And so with that being said, again, I cannot go back to identification. Identify the things that they do. Don't just let them get away with them because they're silent or passive or acceptable because that type of behavior is the norm. Mm. Don't allow it to become that. Speak on it. And so that's what we're going to spend the rest of this season and the rest of the time that I work on this platform doing And I couldn't thank you enough for being my first guest, honey. And I couldn't thank you enough for giving me the honor of being your first guest. This was lovely. This was lovely, honey. (laughs) Tune in next week, same time, same place, honey. If you like this, follow us on social media on all platforms at The Miles Keys Show. And we cannot thank you enough for watching.